This is the supernatural series that I'm preaching this morning. We've been in it for the last few weeks. And I really felt this morning that I needed to address the, the Word of God, but how the Word of God is made real to us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Many of you are aware that Wiley just opened up a, a new library and community center. And if you've driven by it on Country Club Road, it's, a, it's pretty unique in its architecture. I haven't been in it, but I hear it's very nice on the inside. Haley took the kids to the library there last week and they all checked out books. And I got to thinking about it. I've been in a lot of libraries in my life, some pretty famous libraries, libraries full of books, some of the largest theological libraries in the world that I've been in. And libraries are full of books, all kinds of books. There are technical books and sports books and physics books. And there are books in there that, that, that I can't understand because I don't have the ability to comprehend or the technical grasp to understand some of the technical books in there. But there is a book in the library in Wiley that nobody can understand regardless of how smart they are or how technically trained they are. Matter of fact, that book that is represented in the Wiley Library is in most libraries and that book cannot be understood or ascertained in an intellectual capacity or a human level. That book is the Bible. You might be able to comprehend the sentences written there and intellectually grasp the concepts in the Bible, but you will never be able to get it inside of you or have a revelation about it until the Holy Spirit makes the Word of God real to your heart. Have you ever had a concept in school that you just couldn't understand no matter how hard you tried or no matter how many times the teacher went over that concept, you just didn't get it. But then you got help from another teacher or a tutor came along and helped you with that difficult to grasp concept. And it was like the second teacher or the tutor had a way of explaining the concept that the light bulb went off. All of a sudden you got it in a way that you never had the first time. I mean, the other teacher went around it so many different ways, and, and but you just never got it. But when you got to the second teacher, the tutor, they were able to say it in such a way that you grasp it, the light bulb went off. The second teacher was able to say it in a way where there was finally understanding. There was finally revelation. To the first century disciple, Jesus was known as their teacher. That's what they called him, teacher or rabbi, was the title they gave him. Before he left them, Jesus made some specific promises regarding a new teacher, a substitute, if you please, that was going to come and take his place. And believe it or not, Jesus said that he, this new teacher, would actually be better than Jesus for the disciples. He called this substitute teacher, he called this new guide, this new teacher, the Holy Spirit, or in Scripture he called him the Spirit of truth that would guide them into all truth. He said it in John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, Jesus said, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. In another place, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. The teaching involved here by the Holy Spirit is more than the inspiration of Scripture. 
We know that the Holy Spirit is the divine author of the written Word of God. He inspired men to pen the words and 66 books with about 40 human authors wrote the book. But the the divine author of the book is the Holy Spirit. They wrote as they were inspired to write by the Holy Spirit. But when Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to be your guide, going to lead you into truth and teach you all things, He is referring to more than the inspiration of Scripture. But if the scripture is divinely inspired and if it is divinely written, we need to understand that what is divinely written can't be humanly understood without divine help. If this is supernatural revelation, it takes supernatural means to understand it in a real way. When Peter was talking to Jesus and he said, Peter, who am I? All all these people are saying you're John the Baptist and all this, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, Simon, but it was supernaturally revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God. In the same way, to get the supernatural truths of Scripture beyond the shell and the surface facts, we have to have the revelation. We can have knowledge without the Spirit, but we cannot have the revelation of the Word of God without the Holy Spirit. There are various kinds of literature spanning the 66 books of the Bible. But the spiritual truths and the lessons contained in them that transforms lives can only be understood with the teacher, with a capital T, with the teacher's help. In the 21st century, we've come to a a significant level of sophistication. We are an educated bunch. And we often pick up the Bible and read it like we were reading the Dallas Morning News, thinking that I'm going to grasp this because I'm a fairly intelligent person. I have a degree. I'm going to get it. I'm going to read the Bible just like I do any other periodical magazine or a book. And I can put all the pieces together there. I'll be able to put all the pieces together here. But if you take that approach with Scripture, you'll never fully understand it. You might understand the shell of it. You might understand some facts. You get the subject of the sentence and the verb of the sentence and the object. You might get enough to get some sketchy truth. But the real teaching that is in the Scripture that will change your life, the truth of Scripture that God wants to get into your heart, the revelation of Scripture, the revealing of it so that your life will be different only happens when the Holy Spirit makes Jesus real to you through the reading of the Word. There are times when I read the Scripture and I'm just not getting it. I may be understanding the facts. I may be understanding the subjects that are, and the verbs and all that is written there, but I'm not getting truth in my soul. It's not that it's it's not getting into my heart. I'm getting it with my mind, knowledge, but I'm not getting it in my heart, which is revelation. I'm reading the Bible and it's God's word, but I'm not reading it or feeling as if God is speaking directly to me, which is what should happen when the Holy Spirit makes the word of God real to me. So, I'm just doing devotions. There is nothing deadlier than just reading the Bible to do devotions if you're treating it like just some other novel and not allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate it or reveal it to you as the Word of Life. If you're just reading the Bible just like it's some other Christian literature or you're reading the Bible like it's Spielberg or Stephen King or some other thing you're reading, then it is, it is, it is just another book to you and it is more deadly because it, you get in this relationship religious rut and you don't get the life that is available to you. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was going to be a better teacher than him because Jesus was using his human voice 
to externally influence the disciples. And as, as powerful as that was, the disciples were just like us. They didn't get it a lot of the times. Too many times with Jesus standing right there in front of them, influencing them externally with His human voice, teaching them, they didn't get it. So the reason the Holy Spirit was going to be a better teacher that when He came is because He was going to teach them from the inside. He was going to fill them and teach them from the inside and be an internal influence on them. So He takes the Word of God that He inspired, that He authored. And if there's anybody that ought to be able to explain the book, it's the author of the book. So He's going to take the Word of God that He authored and He's going to make it real to the inner person so that it moves beyond knowledge and facts and data. And it becomes revelation to our spirit man that changes our life. Haven't you ever had that happen to you where you've read over a verse of scripture that you've read countless times and then all of a sudden you read that verse of scripture and it becomes what I call radioactive. I mean all of a sudden that verse that you've read all these years all of a sudden has power in your life. It's like the Holy Spirit illuminated it. It was the the light bulb comes on in you and you said wow I've never really noticed it that way before. It's because the Holy Spirit is making it real to your heart in that moment. When you start seeing scriptures that way or approaching the Bible in that way, it is being revealed to you or, to use a biblical word, illuminated to you by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit making God real to you as you read the Word. Now, in the next few statements, it will be easy to misunderstand me, so I'm giving you a warning. Please don't misunderstand me in what I'm about to say. I believe we need teachers. Great, prayed up, trained Bible teachers are a gift from God to the church. In Ephesians 4, when he gave us the five-fold ministry, pastor, teacher, prophet, apostle, evangelist, when he gave us the five-fold, one of the five-fold was a teacher. We believe in teaching. The Scripture ordains teaching. God calls teachers. The Bible warns us in Hebrews 10, 25, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some were in the habit of doing, It's because they miss out on corporate worship and very valuable teaching, which is what is going on right now. But we cannot forget another level of teaching, a different kind, a superior kind of teaching that is available to us, that was promised to us in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 27. Listen to what the writer says. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in Him. John is saying, for those of you that are in Christ, there is an anointing that abides in you. That anointing is a reference to the Holy Spirit. There is a guide, a teacher of truth that abides in you. John is writing to a group of people who have been led astray by false teachers. And they're having a hard time getting to any teacher that is going, religious leader, that is going to teach them the truth. And he is writing to these people that have been led astray by false teachers and saying, Hey, look, you may not be able to get to me. You may not be able to get to one of the apostles. But there is an anointing on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit abides on the inside of you if you abide in Christ. And He is 
a teacher. He is a guy. You don't have need of all of these other false teachers to get you to truth if the Holy Spirit abides on the inside of you. That word anointing is a reference to the Holy Spirit. And he's saying you've got an anointing, a Holy Spirit that will teach you all things. He's saying to them, you can have revelation from Christ if you don't have access to the internet. You can have revelation from Christ even if you can't get to seminary or if it's exactly the opposite. If there are so many voices that are dissecting doctrinal hairs that you don't even know where to turn or which way is up, in the middle of all of those voices or in the middle of the silence and the lack of access, there is an anointing that abides in you that will lead you into all truth. In other words, that will eventually lead you to Jesus Christ. A greater revelation through His Word. This is the reason that it is possible for a simple Christian that has only been serving the Lord for a few years in a remote place like China or Sudan or some jungle of Peru somewhere where they don't have access to all the tools that we do in our study of the Christian faith. You've got somebody in a very remote place with no access to academic, academic training, no access to formal discipleship, no access to a study Bible with any notes in it at all. There are no spiritual teachers there to lead them in the ways of the Bible and it is possible for that remote believer to know God more than a theologian with a PhD. The theologian may know way more about God, may know more about God, but it's possible that that remote believer can actually know God more intimately than the one with all of the learning. The theologian may be able to dissect doctrinal truth, may be able to exegete the scripture, may be able to state the facts. But it is possible and many times too common that someone in his or her position rely on their learning and forget that real revelation comes through the Holy Spirit. Human tactics can gain knowledge. But to fully understand the book, we've got to have revelation. And our degrees are not revelation. Our study tools are not revelation. Only the Holy Spirit is the medium that can make this word alive in our hearts. It is all about the Holy Spirit teaching us what this word really means to a humble person with a childlike heart. It is that humble person that approaches the scripture with a childlike heart that gets into the supernatural level of the word with the Holy Spirit's revelation that will transform their lives and equip them to transform other people's lives. When we approach the scripture from a merely academic perspective or simply with our minds, we fall into a terrible trap of thinking that we know the Bible. But our hearts can be unchanged because there is no spiritual teaching. There is no revelation. There is no unveiling of truth. We have facts, but our hearts have not been revealed the truth. I I illustrate this. This week my daughter was... I do her devotions with her every night and, and that's just become a habit and she won't go to sleep. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing, we're going to do devotions because she's got this idea that if we devotions, the boogeyman stays away if we do devotions. So we do devotions every night and for some odd reason, her children's Bible led us to the book of Revelation. I tell you all that because I don't want you to think I'm taking my seven-year-old daughter through a verse-by-verse exegetical study of the book of Revelation. Her Her... Bible led us to the book of Revelation and so she is asking me the the particular study for that day she said well dad what does Revelation mean well it's hard to understand to to teach that to a seven-year-old child so the image that I use because this is what Revelation means in the book of Revelation the concept and it's also what it means when I say Revelation to you today not knowledge but Revelation is 
is suppose I, this is what I told her. Suppose I have a, a, a painting on an easel and I drape a cloth over the top of it. You know something is there. You know that it's a painting, but you cannot tell what it is until somebody comes along and pulls off the cover, moves the curtain, removes the veil. John is John the Revelator. He is unveiling who Jesus really is in the book of Revelation. It is The Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That's literally what it means. So when the Holy Spirit goes beyond knowledge to revelation in our spirit, He is removing the veil from the facts so that it goes beyond comprehension in our head to life-changing revelation in our spirit. The Holy Spirit is pulling the curtain back. He's helping you see it like you've never seen it before. And you can't understand a supernatural book without a supernatural unveiling of the Holy Spirit so that we finally get it from the inside out. We could look at a whole lot of historical examples of people who have made the mistake of approaching the Scripture for factual reasons but never having the unveiling or the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, But... Let me go back to one particular time. Go back with me in your mind to an ugly time in American history when slavery was a common practice. It divided our nation as the abolitionists were in a philosophical battle with slaveholders. That took to a battlefield and it took to the political arena. And what I want you to realize is that there were fire-breathing preachers in fundamentalist churches that were pounding their Bible defending slavery using the scriptures to enslave thousands of human beings, thousands upon thousands of people for whom Jesus died to set them spiritually free. But more than that, when you look at scripture, you cannot find any grounds that there would be anything in the nature of God or in the content of his word that would allow any human being created in his image to rightfully be bound in chains and shackles and be created, treated like property. These are people for whom Christ died and yet the church properly the practice of separating a man from his wife, a mother from her children, or siblings from each other in slave auctions. And these were ministers. They were not atheists, they were not the ungodly, but they were ministers using the scriptures to justify that behavior and that practice. It's the same error the Pharisees made who quoted the Bible while they were planning the murder of Jesus, the Son of God. Every time they got closer to the cross, you look at the trials, they quoted the scriptures, they quoted from the prophets, they quoted from the law of God as they were making their way to the crucifixion of Jesus. They are using the word of God as an avenue to justify the murder of God. Listen, reading the Bible without the Holy Spirit without the tenderizing revelation of God's Spirit, making the words real to us, without the Holy Spirit humbling us as He teaches us, if we don't have that, we can produce monstrous kinds of pseudo-Christians who use the Word of God to actually propagate evil behavior. I can't move on without saying this. People who read the Scripture without the Holy Spirit's revelation, have the propensity to generate more evil than those who have never been exposed to the Word of God at all. The most degenerate person in the world is a proud religious man that can't be taught anything by anybody, not even the Holy Spirit. He will quote his scriptures to justify his actions all the while looking down his nose in condescension at the ignorant souls who do not see it his way. Jesus was a victim of this kind of thinking. 
of this kind of application of the Scripture. In the name of Scripture, they crucified the King of glory. Every time we open this book, we ought to stop and pray. Whether for 15 seconds or 15 minutes, as the psalmist did in Psalm 119. And he prayed over the Word of God, Lord, open my eyes, teach me your Word, show me your ways. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. The very middle verse of the whole Bible is found in Psalm 119. It's almost like God put the hinge of the whole book in the 119th Psalm because the 119th Psalm is all about the law of God, the Word of God, and the psalmist writes about how he meditates on it. And So here is an author who is an inspired writer of Scripture who says in Psalm 119, probably if he was equal with the custom of his day, had put to memory the entire law, which was the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He probably had all of those committed to memory. And yet he's writing this as an inspired writer and his writing is a prayer where he is saying, Holy Spirit, God, open my eyes because all of my knowing is not enough if there is not a revelation in my heart that will change my life. Open my eyes so that I can truly understand what I have written or what I have read in the Word of God. If that's not the posture of our heart, we fall into a terrible habit of reading Scripture simply to justify what we already believe. I know a lot of people who read a verse, and regardless of what it says, they work hard to make it fit their preconceived opinions. They pray, God, do a new thing, as long as it doesn't mess up my neatly packaged theological statements. They go to the Bible to find ammunition for what they already believe. This isn't the way to read the Scriptures. We come to God and we come to the Scriptures as humble children willing to be taught saying, Holy Spirit, make Jesus real to us. Make God real to us as we read your inspired word. Teach us, guide us, lead us into truth. If you take a a closer look with me at the danger of approaching the word of God with the wrong attitude. I want you to listen to what Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day who were using the Scriptures to justify His crucifixion. Listen to what He says in John 5. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about Me. Yet you refuse to come to Me that you may have life. Here's religious leaders who know more about the Bible than anybody of their day, and He says you search them, some versions say diligently search them, You've studied the Scriptures, but you study them to back up your own prejudices. You study them, to, and, and yet all the things that you're studying, they speak of me, but you're so blinded that you can't see, and so therefore you won't come. Can you imagine the people that knew the most about the Bible in the Christ day had the Son of the living God standing five feet in front of them, and they didn't even recognize Him for who He was. But they knew the Scriptures. They were diligent students of the Scriptures. And Jesus said they continued to study the Scriptures thinking that the Scriptures held eternal life. 
They did hold eternal life. But the only way they hold eternal life is if in the study of scriptures you get Jesus out of them when you study them. And they were studying them from cerebral means instead of spiritual matters. And they didn't get the revelation. They had the data. They had the knowledge. They didn't have the revelation. And he was standing in front of their face. Doesn't that sober us up a little bit? It does me. Does it not remind us how much we need the teaching of the Holy Spirit? Friend, this is a supernatural book. You got kids reading Harry Potter because they're hungry, they're supernatural, and there's all kinds of books and fiction and fantasy about the supernatural, and this book is a book that has real power to it. There are people that have seen, read this book, addicts have been delivered, people have picked this book up in a nightstand of a a hotel, a Gideon's Bible, and a drunk has been delivered simply because of the Holy Spirit making these words real to their hearts. If we could understand a supernatural book, cannot be understood by human means how much do we need the Holy Spirit to help us we have to let go of the traditions that we have learned from men too often we don't identify truth by what we have been taught by the Holy Spirit through the scripture but we identify truth by what we saw growing up in church oh that's what preaching is or oh that's what prayer is or oh that's what worship is because that's what I saw growing up That's not the way we're supposed to define truth. We're supposed to search the scriptures and ask the help of the Holy Spirit so we might understand in the core of who we are what God intended church to be, what God intended Christianity to be, the importance of love and prayer. But none of those things will ever be real to us unless we humble ourselves and say, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me and give me supernatural ears and a sensitive spirit to understand the revelation of the Word of God. I want to take one more verse and make it ours today before we leave. And I want you to get this verse in your heart. I want you to own it. I want you to let the Spirit marinate it into your spirit. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Listen to what it says. Now, Paul says, we have not received the spirit of the world. I could say cleverness and the wisdom of men. But the Spirit, with a capital S, who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We've not received the spirit with a little s of the world, their cleverness, their wisdom, their tactics, but the spirit, capital S, who is from God, that we might understand the things that have been freely given to us by God. I talk to people on a regular basis who are racing backwards in their Christian walk because they don't know what God has promised them. They don't know what God has promised to do for them. They don't know what is available to them through the grace of God and the provision that they have through Jesus Christ. The Bible says God has given us the Holy Spirit so that we may know. Know means have revelation. That we have an unveiling. That we have that inner teaching on the inside of our heart. That we may really know and experience the things that are freely given to us by God. How terrible would it be for a guy to die in the desert... 50 steps from a watering hole and him be wandering around that the entire time but he was so lost he couldn't see it. How foolish would it be for a man trapped in a supermarket to die of starvation when there was sustenance all around him but he was so blinded to that sustenance that he could not see the provision. The Holy Spirit was sent 
so that we don't waste our lives wandering in dry and barren places. He wants to make real to us the things of Christ, the things that God has freely given us. Don't you think if God was willing to bankrupt heaven and give his son Jesus for our salvation, that he's willing to freely provide for us everything that we need now to live an overcoming, victorious Christian life. What we need to do is approach the scriptures and say, Holy Spirit, make this word real to us. Come, be our teacher, unveil, pull the curtain back, lead us, reveal to us the word of God so that we're not wondering only in knowledge, but we come to the point of divine supernatural revelation. I want to give you a challenge today. I'm going to ask uh, the team that's going to help me in the altars to come and I want to give you a challenge this morning before we walk out of this building. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I really want you to make this commitment in your heart. If I'd have thought about it early enough, I'd have had forms to fill out because sometimes when we commit this and we do it and we turn it in and we know that we're being held accountable, we're more apt to do this. But let me just, let me just let you know, the Holy Spirit is in this room trying to apply the word of life to our hearts today. And I want to challenge you to do something for the next seven days. Some of you are in a daily habit of reading the word of God. Some of you aren't. Regardless, start today. Because even the most of us who read the word every day, I doubt that we stop before we open it up because we're in such a hurry that we pray for a few moments before we begin reading the word and we ask, Holy Spirit, I'm about to read the word that you have authored. Would you make it real to my heart? Would you pull the curtain back? Unveil the portrait. Let me see Jesus. Let me see God. Make Jesus real to me. Don't let me read this like I would some other book on the shelf. It's a supernatural book. Give me supernatural revelation. I can't help but believe that if those of us in this room make a commitment that we're going to read this book. I'm not asking you to read four chapters a day, five, whatever. You may do that. But there may be something new to you. You may sit down and read a few verses. But before you read it, pray. Holy Spirit, I want to get it. I want to get it at the core of my being. I want to be transformed by it. I want God to talk to me. So I challenge you for the next seven days, pray. Open the book. Commit to do it every day for seven days. Holy Spirit, teach me the word. Open my eyes, my ears. Because there are those that have eyes and don't see. And there are those that have ears and don't hear. So give me eyes. Give me ears. Let me see. Let me hear. And then read it. I can't help but believe if there are a number of us that do that every day for the next seven days, we'll come back into this church a more enlightened, illuminated, inspired bunch of people than we are today. Now you go and read the book all week next week and come back and have more facts and us not be different. But if we ask the Holy Spirit to transform us and reveal the word to us, we'll be different people than what we are now when we come back in here next Sunday because there'll be supernatural revelation of the word. So let me challenge you to do that. Now the thing I want to do right now is in just a moment our prayer team is going to come and I've asked them, as you heard me, to let the Holy Spirit during the course of this message reveal to them a verse of Scripture. Make it radioactive. Make it real. Make it live. Powerful. That they can share with those who come forward for prayer that is going to be an anchor point for them to hold on to. Something they can get in their spirit. They can stand upon that bedrock of Scripture and believe for God to work in their behalf. I just believe today some of you that stood a moment ago need to engage in a more personal time of prayer, uh, believing for God to finish what He started. There are some of you that didn't stand at all. 
uh, that didn't represent your need, but in just a moment will be the opportunity for you to do that. I just sense in my heart that we, got, we have his ear. You know, I can't tell you why. Um, there's been nothing out of the ordinary this morning that, that would make us think that. And we're not going to break attendance records today. And no, no, There's nothing going on on the external. But in the inner witness of my spirit, last night I felt like we have his ear. That we have his attention. That God is listening to us. And if the Holy Spirit has come to make Jesus real to us, and this is an hour that we can petition Him, then let's give Him that moment. Let's give Him that chance. And who knows what God might do in this place. So would you stand with me all over this place in prayer team? Would you come to the front with, with me, if you will? Just make your way here and bring, bring in your spirit the word of life God has imparted to you. That verse of Scripture may have been something that has been in your devotion, something you've stood on, whether you can quote it or you bring the book. I just believe you're going to give somebody something today that's not your counsel or your wisdom, but the Holy Spirit is going to make His Word real today. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, I'm about to pray a blessing over you, a benediction of sort. And if you have need today, I just believe God is hearing us today. If you have need today, before people begin to exit the building and there's this dash out the door, let me challenge you, even while I pray the benediction, while I pray the blessing, if you would step out from where you are and begin to come forward for prayer, that way the aisles are open and it's easy for you to get here. You can even come now while I'm talking. I just believe that God wants to do something in your life today. And I believe God has given some of these people a word to impart into your spirit. So come as I offer this blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, Straight out of Scripture, the inspired Word of God, I pray for your people as Moses and Aaron prayed for the people of God. Will you bless them and keep them? Will you make your grace shine down upon them? Will you turn your countenance their direction, Lord? And will you give them peace today? And Father, over the next seven days, as they trust the Holy Spirit to supernaturally reveal the Word to them, Would you let a practice begin in the next seven days so much so that there will be different people, transformed people, people with revelation that walk in this room next week, a practice that will carry them the rest of their lives. And Father, as we apply the word of life through the revelation of the Spirit to needs and circumstances, would you transform people, transform those needs and circumstances, and may Jesus be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We're going to keep the environment worshipful. Don't miss a miracle that God might have for you this morning. We love you. Get into His Word. God bless you.